This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Welcome to the third installment of the Winter 2018 UC Santa Barbara Innovator Stories series. I'm John Greathouse, and you can follow me on Twitter, at John Greathouse. Our sponsor today is TapJoy. TapJoy maximizes mobile engagement and monetization for the world's top advertisers as well as the world's top um, app developers. Now, their, their footprint is tremendous. Their SDK, their, their application, has been embedded in over 15,000 mobile apps, which means they reach over 520 million active users every month. So think about that. That's the United States times 1.5. That's like everyone in the U.S. plus another half of the U.S., engaging in one of their clients' apps um, every month. So it's tremendous reach. If you're doing anything on mobile, if you have a mobile um, app that you're trying to monetize, or if you're trying to reach an audience through mobile, you should be talking to TapJoy. So tonight we have Kim Colson with us. So I've had a lot of people up on this stage over the years. I've been doing this for a while. And I've had a number of people where I might be on a board with them, or I might be an investor in their company, or maybe we're, I'm an advisor to their company, but I don't think I've ever had someone on stage that I actually worked with when I was a lot younger, less gray hair, and actually was working for a living as an operator. I think Kim might be the only person that I've ever had up here when we worked together. Now, Kim never worked for me. I didn't hire her. She wasn't in my department. But we worked at a small company that ended up becoming a bigger company, um, and I just got, I got, at a small company, you work with everybody, um, and I just always remembered how cooperative and willing to, to service, you know, whatever needed to be done kind of attitude that Kim had. And we've kept, stayed in touch over the years. And I've really been proud kind of watching her career um, as it's progressed. And so I've been trying to get Kim here. She's super busy. She's running a business. And I'm just so excited that she is here because I think she has a great career that all of you um, can learn from. She's been leading technology companies for over 15 years. She began her career in the financial services industry and then in 2001, she joined a pretty small company called Expert City. Expert City was a company that I was involved with at the time. We ended up creating a variety of products that Kim was very involved with, including go to meeting, go to my PC, go to webinar, go to training. Kim wore a lot of hats, as I mentioned. But one of the things she focused on was making sure that we had the right product market fit. So that meant she had to talk to a lot of customers, a lot of prospective customers, and try to understand what is, what is it they really wanted in a product and what is it that they didn't want in a product. And I can tell you that all of those products, when they were launched, were huge successes. And that didn't happen by accident. It happened because we delivered the right product to the right market segment at the right time. And Kim was a big part of that. In 2008, she left Citrix, which was a company that we sold Expert City to. She left Citrix online, and she ended up working with an investment consulting group. She looked at their portfolio companies, got interested in one of them called MindFlash, and she ended up joining that company as the vice president of marketing um, in 2009. In 2011, after helping MindFlash launch one of their major products, she decided to join a company called Appfolio, where she created a new department within that company, which was called the Value Added Services Organization. Through that organization and through her leadership, the company grew tremendously, um, ended up having um, tremendous success going public here a couple years ago. And in 2016, Kim was promoted to senior vice president to lead my case, which is a division within uh, this larger public company called Appfolio. So she's been able to work at a very early stage startup, She's been able to work at a medium-sized company such as Citrix Online, which had hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Um, and now she's able to be an entrepreneur 
within a smaller division of a larger company. So really had um, a, a very diverse career. Uh, Kim has called her career, quote, really fun. And you're going to see her up here in a minute, and you're going to see why. And she's such an optimistic, um, you know, just kind of sees the best in everything attitude. So when I read that, I said, that's Kim. I can absolutely see her describing her career as really fun. She's passionate about a lot of things, including building great teams, um, as well as making sure that customer experience really fits with what the company's trying to deliver in the marketplace. Kim earned her degree right here at UCSB in political science. Um, and she's really built a career, a very successful career, on, um, I, I think, some very important pillars. Pillars of kindness, of grace, and of humility. Let's give her a warm welcome to our stage. Thank you, thank Great you, thank you. you. Great to see you. I'll give you a hug. I always struggle with the hugs. I never hug people at work, but now we don't work together anymore. So it's so okay. I can hug you. I hug you. In front I of hug people. At hundreds work. of thousands of people. I know. Well, it's just it's just. I'm warm and kind. I know Thank you, you are. Thank you for that. Uh, well, it's all true. And so I've had the chance to see Kim, um, you know, just um, out and about. We both travel a fair bit, and I've been trying to get you on this stage for a while, but it's hard when you're running a division and you're and you're flying down to San Diego a lot so it's not easy so we do appreciate you making the time to, to be here well I'm honored and delighted so thank you all so you obviously you've been drawn to startups you know through most of your career and you've taken them as small companies up into you know much bigger companies did you did you grow up in an entrepreneurial household was risk sort of something that just came natural to you or or do you still struggle with that or did you ever see the risk? I never saw the risk. Yeah, I don't think much about the risk. And, and I think, um, I don't know if I reflect on that, right? The other side of risk is opportunity. Right. right? That's right. the really fun part. But, the, but what, what I, I think there's different types of people, right? Some people can't see that opportunity through the risk. Like yeah. the risk is what blocks that, that ability to see the opportunity. Well, I was super fortunate. I think, you know, my first job at a startup was with people like you and Brian Donahue and yep. Klaus Schauser, yep. and yep. it's very hard. I mean, I was in one. I picked. I picked the people. That's sort of my secret sauce. Is right. I think if you work with people that you admire, who you want to follow, who challenge you every day, um, you're doing okay. You're going to learn a lot. Right. And uh, so, being with that group of people, it's just so easy to see all of the opportunity. And we were solving problems every day. And you at a startup, you have so much. Just flexibility. Right. You can change things. You can do something one day that has an impact, whether it's a positive right. or a negative right. impact. Right. Like both of those things can happen. But you, but you can see that it's impact. It's rewarding. And that's where, you know, I often counsel uh, students. First, I ask them what do they want in their career because it's not for everybody. Right? It's chaos. You've got to be really autonomous. It's messy. It can be really messy. Yeah. But you can have cool pets in your office like you used to have. <laughs> I can't believe you're telling that story. Well, what kind of pet did you have? Um, I had a pet snake. Her name was Randy, and I thought it would be, I, I bought her at a garage sale when I was at UCSB. I thought it would be, and I quote, an awesome dorm pet. <laughs> and she was, and she died last year, oh. 26 years. Wow. Yeah. Holy don't, cow. don't get a snake. They live a long Holy time. Holy cow. Yeah. 
And as far as I know, you never threatened anybody with that snake. No, but there were people that didn't like to come into my office. And there were also, there was an email list for the feedings. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. I didn't feed it. Hmm. <laughs> it was a spectator sport. It's funny that I remember that all these it years. It is funny later. that you're, that's, that's, yeah, that's how I want to be remembered. Yes. But that, that was, I thought, part of your personality. Like, everyone else would bring in their dog because we had a very, long before it was cool, <laughs> long before it was cool, we had a dog friendly office and a lot of people brought their dog in. And you were like, yeah, I got a steak. Yeah. <laughs> And my husband was like, what? You can take the snake to work? <laughs> right. Take yeah, it. take it. it. Yeah, take that's, the tarantula that's, too, right? There, I think where there was one of those at the office as well. Oh, yeah. Some we bugs. Had a, we had a menagerie. Yeah. The birds. Remember some of the talking uh, oh, birds? They weren't birds. annoying. It was very annoying. I don't know who's got a talking bird here. but quiet. <laughs> well, did you, were your parents entrepreneurial or did they kind of see this as like some crazy? Because my parents weren't. They were government workers. They kind of always thought it was crazy. I think that's such a good question. You know, um, both of my parents just wanted me to get a job and support myself. Neither of my parents went to college. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm i not sure they really understood what I was doing. Or right. They didn't ask a lot of, like, I had a job and a paycheck and insurance. Right. They, right. Those were sort of the boxes that they were checking. You weren't living with them. I wasn't living with them. Yeah, so they, they were like, great, <laughs> keep going. Right. Yeah. So they were supportive, wanted you to be happy. Very much. Yeah. And, and very much always told me, you can do whatever you want to. You can be anything awesome. you want to be. So, I mean, it was great, but I don't, um, you know. My dad was a salesman, and I kind of joke that, like, well, we're all kind of salesmen, yeah. aren't we? Well, if you're successful, I think, yeah. yeah. It helps. <laughs> it helps. Was there someone that inspired you growing up, either, like, maybe a note, noteworthy person or a family member, or somebody that you emulate or wanted to emulate? Yeah. Um, you know, I, nothing super comes to mind for me. I think, um, fortunately or unfortunately, my career and my success have been full of surprises to me where I'm right. like, wow, me too. that was pretty cool. <laughs> right. How did uh, that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, but I do, I credit my dad a lot because even as, you know, mm-hmm. when I was little right. he, and, and he, he always was like, you can do whatever you want to do. It'll be hard work. And, mm-hmm. and my granddad, I think I was the, I was the first kid like of my generation in the family for a long time. And I think um, the men probably kind of would have rather had a son, but they had to make do. And so they told me all the things they would have told the son. <laughs> like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And my grandfather wrote me a letter and said, like, you're a Colson. This is a huge responsibility. Wow. This is not a gift we give you. It's a responsibility we give you to go out and represent us in the world. So, That's fantastic. Yeah, so I, those things I think were formative and, and gave me a sense of, like, wow, well, I, you, I should work hard. Yeah, you recall it, and it impacted you. Um, I have a good friend. I won't name him on, in front of all these people, but good friend here in town is a pretty well-known person. And he was telling me that he does that, where his grandchildren, I think they reach 13 or some 12 or 13, mm-hmm. and he writes them a letter, and he says he, and he has five or six. He says each letter is different. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny. He's like, I don't know if they'll ever look at it again. I'm like, oh, they'll look at it again. So I'll have to tell I, him. You can I'll please tell, him, tell him my story. Yeah, yeah, that'll make him... <laughs> <laughs> It'll make him feel like it was worth it. So teams are a big part. I know that when we worked together, um, obviously you got joy out of that. I did. I, that was the thing I think of being an entrepreneur that I enjoyed the most was yeah. seeing the teams like Mary and just yes. you know all the, Elise and all these people that we worked with, Shannon. Um, and we just all kind of came together and enjoyed being in the trenches and, and us against the world kind of thing. Did that come, I think from, I think I kind of know where it came from in my background. For you, was it team sports? What, what do you, what, what do you think maybe motivated that? Gosh, I, I have always just liked people. I liked team projects. I liked, mm-hmm. 
I didn't do a lot of sports growing up. I wish I had them, but I can't really credit that. But, uh, you know, maybe it was that I just didn't have a special skill, so I needed to, like, be able to bring people together. And, mm. and Well, that's a skill. Right. And I like the – I love the collaboration. I love working with people that I think are smarter than me. I remember, because I moved from financial services into technology – I remember sitting in that the largest conference room we had at Little <laughs> Dirty Expert City. Right, probably about half the size of where we're sitting. Sitting right, now. right. It was funny and maybe leaking from the ceiling. Yes. But I remember wondering, you know, have I done a good thing with my career? Right. What and am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I remember listening to people talking. I don't even remember what the subject was, but my I remember thinking, everyone in this room is smarter than me. Mm. And then I remember thinking, okay, <laughs> like, the, and it, and it's, you think you are, at least I did. I thought it would be a gift to be the smartest person. Mm-mm. It's not. I've never been there. I wouldn't yeah, know. No, but. <laughs> but like the gift is being surrounded by people yeah. that have something to teach you, that stretch right. you, that challenge you. Um, and so, you know, being part of a great team gives you like all of those opportunities. Right. And finding people with complementary skill sets that like really make you mad and stretch you outside your I comfort could do zone. That. It's yep. it's great. Yeah. yeah. But you have to be super self aware and you are to, 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 to be in that place. For sure. And I always say, you know, if you're the best member of your jazz ensemble, get a new jazz ensemble because you're not learning. That's it. Right? Uh, That's a other great people analogy. are drafting on you. I didn't come up with that, but That's good. Uh, other people I'm are use it. drafting on you, you know, draft on other people um, to, to grow and stretch. Um, and I definitely saw that in your, in your career. I actually, I actually used our really lousy offices mm-hmm. as a screen to, when I was hiring <laughs> in the early days. So if you're hiring in a bigger company, and you know, it doesn't make sense right, to, to have an office that leaks. Our office literally leaked. <laughs> um, I remember I, might, I had broken windows in my office. And, and I remember really cold in the winter. No, there was no central heat or no. AC. Even, yeah. even though it never gets cold in California, it gets cold, it cold. in California. Yeah. And, and, but I would use that as a screen in the early days because people kind of look at my window, they'd look at the leak stain on the ceiling, and they would say, do you guys have plans to move anytime soon? And I knew they were not, they were not for us. I was like, not really. Or they'd say, oh, what, what kind of dental plan do you have? And There's I would say, two kinds of people in the world. I don't think we have a dental plan. I don't know. Why are you here? <laughs> we, don't, we don't even know those things. So it can work for you and it can work against you. I think if you go with that too long, obviously, you're... You're gonna you're gonna lose out on a lot of really good people. Yes. But in the early stages, I mean that that was the reality for us. We had that's what we could afford. Right. Um, and it was fun. There were bigger fish to fry. There were bigger fish. That was fish the to fun fry. part. Spend the money on something that that really mattered. Yes. So you you are a proud alum. I am. Political science. Some of my yes. I have a couple of really good friends that came here and and also got political science degrees. When you were getting yours, mm-hmm. what did you think you were gonna do? Mm-hmm. And then. What do you now, looking back, do you think it really helped you? How did you use that degree? Yeah. Um, well, I, I moved to Santa Barbara to come to college from Georgia. And uh, I always, I, I sort of had my backup plan was law school. Mm. Uh, the truth is, I, what I would tell people when they said, what do you, what do you plan to do? I'd say, well, I want to wear pumps and pantyhose. Like, <laughs> I want a job in business. I don't, I don't know. I didn't have anything more specific than that. I'd like to make a difference somewhere right, to right. something. Uh, but I th- law school was kind of my long term. What did you think? What kind of law did you think you would go into? I didn't. I, I wasn't that far through it. I have a um, 
guess like a second cousin who was a lawyer mm -hmm. always seemed interesting seemed mm -hmm. like a professional mm -hmm. job right. so I was not I was not a deep thinker about it I kind of think I did what a lot of people do is thought hey graduate school sounds good seems like something right. y'all ought to up, do right? right well how did you go I knew you had South in your background how mm -hmm. did you go from Georgia to Santa Barbara that's a pretty distinct lead yeah um, I guess I, I never would have called myself a risk taker, but now you're asking these questions, and I think I, I, when I tell the story, I say that was my big adventure. I had grown up in a very small town. My mom and my dad and my grandparents had all graduated from the same little mm. high school. Mm. Like, it was small. Right. And um, so I sort of recognized, even as a young person, that college might be my big chance to, go, like, go see the world. Right mm -hmm. now, people do real see the world things right, but right, right. It, it felt like a big adventure to me I hadn't been here before when I picked Santa Barbara wow um, I didn't actually plan to apply to UCSB but when I got the application I don't know how it is now but at that time you, there was a list of campuses so I was actually I was going to apply to UCLA uh -huh. and then I checked the box for UCLA and I thought UC Riverside I've never heard of that <laughs> you got lucky there <laughs> sorry sorry I, I didn't say I love Riverside. <laughs> UCLA, UC San Diego, we'll keep going. Um, and so I, I sort of went, oh, Santa Barbara, like that sounds nice. And I checked the box. And when I got the acceptance letter, I don't, did any of you have this experience? It's beautiful. Like there was a uh. picture of the ocean and the hmm. bluffs and the college. The beach. <laughs> I was like, I'm going here. Do they still do that? Do they still send like a... Yeah, right yeah. On. I remember very well getting that in the mail. It I was figured like now it's a text. You're in. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> so did you even know it was, it was so on the ocean? Unsophisticated. Or no, I didn't really know had anything. Had you ever been to California? Once. My, once. Disneyland? On a family vacation. Yes. <laughs> yes. So think about it. Your folks must have been like, whoa, Kim is like going for it. I'm going for it. Yeah. yeah. They were like, when are you coming home? There was a lot of that. Yeah, there still is. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. We all go through that. Right. But yeah, so it was my big adventure. I thought I'd go home. I thought I'd go to Emory for law school. That was kind of like the mm. roadmap. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good and, school. Yeah, great school. Seems seemed like a good idea. But I met a, a boy while I was at school. It's always here. a boy. It was a boy. Um, figured I had to work for a few years anyway. <laughs> Wasn't quite, you know. Figured I'd just stick around and, and see how that went. Right. So, um, uh, but you asked about policy. Yeah, so when you, yeah, yeah, when you think back on your degree. So we we got part of what I asked was law school, uh -huh. but what do you what when you look back on it? What do you think you've used? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I did that I think was smart mm -hmm. in in hindsight is uh, I pol political. I looked at communicate. I thought I'd be an economics major, and I did, just didn't wasn't having fun in right. those classes. Yep. Um, and so I looked around communications, and I, I explored a couple of majors. And what appealed to me about political science is it was, uh, at that time, it was fairly competitive. And I mm, liked that. I really? liked that the students were kind of competitive, that mm -hmm. they were thinking about law school and um, graduate school and things. Right. And so uh, I'm glad I was in a, made surrounded by people who were a little competitive. I think yep. it drove me a little bit more. And when I look back on my degree like I didn't learn a lot of actual facts and data that yep. that matter Agreed. um but I definitely learned to think and I learned to write I learned I, I gained traction and skills in both thinking and writing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and I think that's where being surrounded by people that sort of pushed 
me right. a little bit was right. healthy for me. So that's a recurring theme um, that you, you, you found that you bettered yourself by putting yourself in situations that might be a little stressful with people that are around you that, are, that care about the future, yep. maybe not super aggressive in a mean-spirited way, but they're going somewhere, yeah. right? I, I think that's, that's a good lesson for all of us. Um, we'll take the first student's question um, in a second. Um, but we, I'm really curious about this is, I mean, we're not, I haven't had the chance to ask him these questions, so I don't know the answers to some of these. Um, <laughs> so Expert City, this is, again, the company we sold to Citrix and go to meeting, go to my PC. So what initially drew you to that opportunity? Because it, was, it wasn't financial services. It was small, yep. in a leaky office, et cetera. Yeah. I, um, I think I mentioned that in financial services, I had found myself not happy, right. not challenged, not interested. Right. Um, and so I had uh, gone, I'd come back to UCSB through the extension program and done at that time what was the a certificate program in technology management. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was an early TMPer. Oh, great. Uh, and so I was, I, and it, it, what I learned was a little bit of light programming and some design, web design work. Yep. And um, what I knew was I wanted to do something different. I, I wanted to do something more creative. And do you remember how you found out about that? Because we didn't really advertise. I, I mean, it was an ad in the paper. There was, was nothing great. And in fact, what I remember is, I mean, I think you received over 200 resumes. So I felt very lucky wow. to get the call back. But Expert City was a hot ticket in town. Yeah, I think that's the that, truth. That's it right, was 2001. Like one, yeah. right? People were like wanted to work in tech. And so yeah. I was uh, one of those people. I was thinking back earlier where we had to beg people to come. Um, right. <laughs> so they walked in and said, wait a minute, what's going on here? But, yeah, I think you, you came in. I mean, you propelled a lot of our success, but you were kind of, we probably had desktop streaming at that point. Yes. So we weren't going to go out of yep. business. I joined so. right around the time Go to My PC launched. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah Good time was, to join. It was a great time to yeah. join. I got to see a ton of growth, and I probably missed some of the oh. – hardest parts yeah the less fun but we all think about how how much fun it was but you it really, always tell this it really always wasn't. seems fun yeah <laughs> seems fun when you think back uh, almost running out of money is great um <laughs> we'll take the first student's question do you feel the proliferation and accessibility of information on the internet will lead to a world where a lot of college becomes unnecessary that's a deep thinking question um I don't feel overly qualified to answer that. I think it's interesting the way that things are evolving. Um, I definitely think the cost benefit of college is like worth discussing. Um, and what I mean by that is like I hire people, you know, making a good living uh, out of college, but they might have you know tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and that's like a rough way to start your career. Um, and I get that, but certainly I learned things in college that I would have been less well prepared for my career without. Um, so I don't think it's going to go away. I, I think it might evolve, and I'm interested to see how that happens. I agree. I mean, I, <laughs> it's funny because here I am in an institution of higher learning, and I think there's a lot of antiquated elements including this. Now, we've augmented it. This is going to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of moving the ball forward in that regard, but yeah. it still requires these people to be here at a set time right. and, and sit, and sit here for an hour. And a, and yeah, so there's elements to it that, that I think we can learn from. Um, so I want to ask about, I, I love talking about mentoring. I've been such, yeah. so blessed with, with, with some great mentors. You don't need to name anybody. 
Santa Barbara's a small town. I don't want you to not name somebody, and then they're mad at Kim. She's, they're going to see it on TV and go, why didn't she name me? So you don't have to name anybody. But are, are there, have you been impacted by mentors? And if so, um, I'd just love to hear kind of what your, your take on as a protege was yeah. and how somebody in this audience maybe could be a, a better protege. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you the other side of that about you mentoring other, other people. So let's talk yeah. about that. So okay. mentoring in a professional environment, yep. how, how has that worked for you and what, why do you think it worked from your vantage point of the person learning? Yeah. Um, so I have had mentors and I absolutely credit enormously my success to those folks. Um, it is a, uh, I would say as a mentee, yes. it's a huge trust fall. So you, um, I would, I've had people kind of walk up to me and say, hi, will you be my mentor? Ugh. And that's rough because it's, it's one, it's a big ask. But yeah. two, um, if you really want advice from somebody, you need to admire them, you need to have trust with them, and you need to like know that much. Yep. Uh, so it's always happened for me pretty naturally. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's not easy it's a little uncomfortable right mm -hmm. um being mentored usually means being told that you're doing some things wrong <laughs> right or that there's some or opportunity you that you're missing right so um having somebody that you feel like you can hear that from yep. is important um and and like part of that means that you feel like they got your back to the nth degree totally. right like you you and and I only get that kind of relationship through time and yep. walking through some fire with somebody, right? Yep. I think you're right. I think in my experience, that organic nature of the mentor, I always kind of laugh at the big companies that set up the mentors. <laughs> it's like a set up marriage, right? An arranged marriage. Hi, here's your husband. Here's your wife. Good luck, you know. Um, and, and companies do that, right? They'll have an executive program where a young person walks into somebody's office that they don't know. I always imagine that that might work in some world. It would be so of, beautiful, but I think you're nice? probably right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's awkward and probably doesn't work most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, and that's something I wish I could have been better. Like in the early days, I just I always felt like I didn't take the time to mentor people. But I'm old now, and I you do. You're pretty I busy, do it and you have given back in ways I do that it, I do yeah it is it, are exceptional. I try to do it. Thank you. I try to do it now, um, but. So now you're you're in a leadership position. Yeah. Are you? Do you find yourself on the other side of that equation? You're mentoring people. Yeah. And so, what are you getting out of that as a mentor that might help um, younger people understand that relationship? Because sometimes young people are so nervous about, well, they, I have nothing to offer this person. Right. Why would they? You know, I don't want to ask them for anything. Yeah. Um. Well, gosh, probably the number one thing I've learned is that it is a two-way street. Like, yeah. I get a lot out of those, my relationships where I'm, like, the senior member of the, I don't even, mentor seems like such a big word, but the senior member right. of the relationship. Right. Um, I learn a lot, and the people that I mentor, I think, are really smart and high-potential people, and so... Um, it is super rewarding. And one of the things that really brought that to light for me is seeing people that I had this relationship with who might even be struggling with, like, I'm going to leave the company mm -hmm. or I'm going to go do something different. Mm -hmm. And the moment where you go, I'm still happy for you, right. you realize, right. like, it's transcended right. yes. just your personal it's interest. And it's no longer transactional. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a relationship, and relationships are two-way streets. Um, and have those all grown organically over time? I mean, you mentioned they that, totally hi, can you mentor me? 
the, the reason, there's lots of reasons why that doesn't work very well. My definition of mentoring you might be very different from yours. Yes. So I have no idea how to answer that question. Does that yeah. mean we're going to be talking every day for an hour and a half or <laughs> once a quarter? Like, I don't really understand what that means. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever going to approach somebody, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily ask that question. Yeah. Um, try to give before you ask for something. Mm-hmm. And, and let it evolve. It's like a friendship. If that friendship's not working, you don't want to force it. It's, yes. It's, it's not suddenly going to work because you want it to work. There's chemistry. Yeah. There, there just is. So find somebody. And there's so many people in the world. It's it's you can find it. Yeah, the mentors are out there. Yes. <laughs> um, even if it's out, not outside of your company, and sometimes even having somebody outside the company is better. Yeah. Because they have that perspective that you know it's not seen so much in the and as you mentioned that lens of your job here. Right. It's seen more through the lens of how you're progressing in your life and in your career. Yes. So look look for mentors in all kinds of unlikely places. For sure. We'll take another student's question. Hi, Kim. Um, in one of your interviews, you mentioned how you view your career as really fun. Um, I was wondering why you think that is and what advice you would give to those looking for a really fun career. Wow. Um, well, that's kind of easy. Like, my career has been really fun because I'm solving real challenges. I'm having an impact on people, both the people I work with and our customers. Uh, I kind of consider myself a lifelong learner, which means there's no point where I feel like... I've arrived, right? I I haven't. Like, my job is still hard. I'm still challenged by it. And for me, that is really fun. And um, what I would say is, like, you can find that. You should not really settle for less than that. And I don't mean, like, you got to find your ultimate passion and your purpose in life. It's a little less than that. Um, Maybe. Maybe it's not. Um, But you make your career interesting by being interested in the problems you're solving or by finding problems you think are interesting to solve. I'll tell you a a short story that when I um, was transitioning, well, I left Expert City, which was this really sexy technology, right? We were like screen sharing, which was very cutting edge back in the day. And um, when I interviewed with Appfolio, I said to Brian Donahue, who we've mentioned, uh, this all sounds so great. But property management, <laughs> that's not what I really dreamed of. Right. Um, you didn't grow up as a child? I didn't. Like, I, I want to work. Techn- right, property management technology. <laughs> that is what I dream of. And so I was a little uncertain about how I would feel about that in my career. And about six minutes in, I was up to my neck in interesting problems to solve and customers who needed them solved, whose, bene- whose lives and, and businesses would benefit from us solving those problems and giving them better solutions. And it is so fun and so energizing. Um, you know, so that's it. You just got to find something you care about. And you got to, con- for me, it's connecting it to people. I, I'll tell you one more story. One day, there was a, somebody taking a tour of the Appfolio office with a salesperson, and it was a customer, and they were meeting as many people as they could, and I passed him in the hall. And the guy started unbuttoning his shirt, in the, and I was like, whoa! whoa. <laughs> um, and he proceeded to tell a story. He had had a heart attack and had open-heart surgery, he was a small business owner, and because of Appfolio, he was able to monitor and help um, the people back in his office keep his business running. His family depended on wow. this business, right? And he just was walking around the office saying thank you and, try- and telling us that what we did mattered. And um, I always go back to that as, like, sort of the pinnacle of, like, if you think you're just dot, 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 you're not. Like, there's people on the other end of the computer, and what you do 
my, my little part of it, yep. it matters. Was he showing you his scar? Yeah, like, it was, it was uh, the scar. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I mean, he's like, look how buff I am. No, but anyway. No, it was the scar. <laughs> so I, I had that same feeling, you know, when I'm talking to students about, you know, find a problem that you're passionate about solving. Yeah. And they say, well, what was so, they don't say it this way, but they're asking me kind of nicely, what was so passionate, why are we so passionate about screen yeah. sharing, for instance? And I, and I tell them that it was all the soccer games, it was all of the birthday parties <laughs> that people could attend yeah. because they weren't on a plane they like, would go to meeting yes. um, go to meeting came out it's hard for folks now watching this around the world and here to think screen sharing really come on i can screen share my phone it's no big deal it was a big deal back then you couldn't yes. get through firewalls it would it would gack out it would it was flaky yep. people couldn't work from home they had to drive into the That's office right. on the weekend or stay late at night right. so being able to free people up from that nine to seven existence or whatever their workday was you could go home, you could watch your child's soccer game, you could then get them to bed, feed them, and then get online and work for an hour or two. So your life suddenly changed yes. where you, were, you weren't penalized if you had to go watch your kid's soccer. You'd have yeah. to choose. Yep. Do I want to be successful or do I want to watch my kids grow up? Like you, you no longer had to make those kind of hard decisions. Yep. That's what I always liked. And so and Beth was always good about our customer yeah. support leader was good about sharing those stories with us where people would write in. Yes. I mean, they would take the time to write this software company and say, here's the impact you've made in my yeah. career. Or, like with tears in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It is it, it, surprising. And when you start that journey, you don't necessarily think it's that. It's not that, like you start right. thinking, I'm going to change the world right. with property management software. But then right. you see the outcomes and the impact it has on people. It is. Makes a difference. It makes a difference. Makes you feel like you're doing something that matters to somebody. So you, you talked about leaving Expert City. Mm-hmm. You, you ended up working with an with, um, essentially a venture capitalist, an investor. Yep. Um, that's a great opportunity because you get to see a portfolio of businesses. Yes. So did they recruit you? I'm curious how that came about. You, they said, hey, Kim, you're smart. We've got some companies. They had some technology, some SaaS companies. Right. SaaS was still new-ish Ish. and yeah, interesting-ish. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so they thought it would be interesting to have somebody on staff that had a background in software as a service. Right. Um, they had some companies doing some things with software as a service that they wanted or thought there'd be benefit in having a consultant kind of role sit Did in. Did you like the consulting role? Because it's very different from being an operator. I learned a lot during that time, and I met people that have really mattered to mm-hmm. me. So I certainly... It was valuable, but I think, you know, there was a reason I joined one of the companies right. within 18 months, and right. it was because I really want I can't look at problems from the surface. I like to really get involved, and so... Dive in, make it happen. Yeah. Did you relocate? Because didn't the business go up north? Or? We, uh, we, I was part of the business when we hired a CEO in Palo Alto, and we okay. relocated the business up there. We were super proud that a lot of the employees actually chose to relocate. Mm. I, I... You stayed. Stayed. Okay. So that's what... I helped power my replacement. It was really friendly, and I, I still think the world of that company. But um, but I decided to stay here, and so that's what led me to Appfolio, or led me to a job search that led me to Appfolio. No, but I think it's 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 smart. It's comfortable to stay with the same team. We talked about the jazz yeah. ensemble, right? Yes. It's comfortable to stay with the same team. It's comfortable to be an undergrad and go to graduate school, mm-hmm. do things that aren't comfortable. So one thing that I that I admired in in that step in your career was you. Yes, you went back to. Um, a lot of the people that you worked with before, sure. but you took a hiatus, a multi-year hiatus. Yeah. What did you What did you bring into the Appfolio conversations that you wouldn't have been able to if you had just rolled right into that? Yeah, 
I think I was a, uh, as a result of that time I spent away, I was a way more sophisticated thinker about business. I mm -hmm. asked different questions. I had a wider network of people that was valuable to us. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel like you, so I read your bio, I can't remember, did you step up in your, sometimes people have to leave to yeah. be appreciated <laughs> and step up in their career. So yeah. that's actually good career advice for young people. Sometimes when you grow up with the business, they always remember you as that junior person. Yeah. And then you step away and they go, wait a minute, and we miss her or him. And did that happen with you guys? I know that they all knew you and loved you and knew you were good, but, yeah. but did you feel like that was part of it? Um, I, in hindsight, I think it helped me like grow my title, and which was never something that I was very driven right. around. That's right. still not something I'm very driven around. Right. But it does matter, and you do want to feel sure. professionally successful and appreciated. Um, and I don't know, it's interesting. You know, like There were peers of mine that stayed and toughed it out at Citrix, and they did get the promotion and the title, right. and they right. became vice presidents you know, at yeah. Citrix. Uh, they probably made a lot of money too. And they, probably, <laughs> yeah. Some, sometimes I wonder about so, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, wife, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun too. <laughs> you had a lot of fun. My wife occasionally reminds me of that. Why did you stay a few more years? Right. Uh, would have been fun. Right. It stopped being fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to go out and like you know seek your seek your adventure. I, my decision to leave and not to go directly to Appfolio or to even put that on my solutions that was really intentional that I wanted to go mm, mm, work with some you. different people. Um, and like it wasn't easy. It was it was far more challenging. Like right. having the relationships and the history that I have yep. with my colleagues at Appfolio was really nice. Gives us a lot of shorthand and makes yeah, us totally. You know, it's well, a that, good team. all that shared history. It's easy. It's it's just everything's easier. Yeah, yeah I took a different path too, as you know, and yeah. I, it was hard. I felt like I was like breaking up with my family. It was <laughs> emotionally <laughs> devastating. Um, it's very very difficult. But I think, but helpful in its, own, in its own right. And I stayed in touch with them, invested with them, did different things. But right. I just didn't work with them yes. um, like I did on a day-to-day -day basis. We'll take the next student's question. Okay. Uh, what was your approach analytically at MindFlash? Was it mostly through, like, analyzing big sets of data, like user data? Or was it mostly through analyzing small sets of data, like individual surveys? Both. I think it's really important to do both. Um, I, I really liked what John said earlier about there is no answer in a book on the shelf. It's not a matter of finding the answer. And so the more information and data that you can have, the better. And I love the big data for finding the trend or finding the interesting thing that's happening a lot. Um, but in my experience, it's really hard to understand what the human behavior that's driving that is without doing some of the more insights-driven small data stuff where you talk to customers or you go to visit customers' offices or, you know, you, you do something that's a little more human. Surveys. Yeah? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a second because I think we're talking in code a little bit for people that don't. Oh, yes. Sorry. So Appfolio was started by many of the same people that were the senior people at Citrix. That's right. Citrix company. So what Kim's the decision Kim had to make was, do I take the easy route and sort of roll into this next opportunity where I know the people and I feel confident they'll be successful, yeah. or do I want to branch out? So I do think that's it's really a good lesson there to, to take that, you know, do the harder thing, branch out. And then you were able to come back and you had a great career. You still have a great career with them. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that was kind of clear yes. to everybody that was listening. History lesson. So I think you're, you, I mean, you, I think you've been very thoughtful about your career. You may feel like it was more, more happenstance. We just talked about 
a step you took that was very proactive and I think very smart, which was Thank you. stepping out. Are there things when you look back that maybe you should have been more aggressive in asking for something or are there things that hindered you in your career that you, if you had to do over in your career, you, you know, something that someone here could learn from? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I'm glad, it, I'm glad my career looks thoughtful and I think at moments it has <laughs> been. So thank you. I would say, um, you know, pick carefully, like don't, when, when you're, when, when I've been successful at a job, like it's super win-win. I found a group of people and a group of problems and a role where I can add a lot of value and that's very satisfying. The business loves you and your career grows. So, um, look for, you know, be a steward, look for those opportunities. Own it. Own it. Yeah. It's yours. Like no one's going to do it for you. Um, you know, and correspondingly, when you find yourself, if you ever find yourself in a position where that's not happening, like, examine that. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't mean, like, just bail immediately, but, you, you know, you should find a place where you feel like you're challenged and you're growing and you're learning. Right. Um, and the company owes that to you. It's a two-way street. It is absolutely a you two-way You should be street. growing and maturing as a professional just as you should be delivering value to the business. Yes, and it yeah requires patience. Sometimes it's better than other times. Like it's real life, and it's dirty in the middle. But, right. um, but you know, big picture, you should feel like it's good. And if if you don't, then you should go looking. I think that's the thing. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I would do differently like my early career in financial services man i was miserable and mm. i would look at my boss and go i don't want her job right and then i was like what right. is it i'd it, say if you ever have that in your head you it's should not leave good. you need to leave yeah. like and and i just kind of thought well i need the job i need like right. i've got insurance maybe this is what it is like right. i didn't i yeah. didn't know if my expectations were wrong um but i think that's actually i've never really thought of it that way but i think that's a good benchmark if you look at your boss or your boss's boss and you say, I wouldn't want to do what he or she is doing, you're probably in the wrong place. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a shark. You're not out for their job, but you ought to aspire, and you ought to see something that, you could, that you'd want to do. Right, and you only have one youth. You have to use your youth wisely because you don't get a, <laughs> believe me, you don't get a There's bag. no do-overs. <laughs> no do-overs. Um, and I think, there's, I think successful people, they have many common traits. I think one of them is the world doesn't happen to them. Yeah. There are some people that just sort of the world just kind of happens to them and they kind of wake up and go, oh, now I'm here. And, but be proactive, as you said, be proactive in, in curating your own um, professional and personal life. Yes. Don't just let the world happen to you. Yes. So speaking of, 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 of um, curating things, when a young person is talking to you, you've hired a lot of young people. I have. Um, and you still hire young people. When a young person's either approaching you through email, text, in person, at a job fair, mm-hmm. on the plane, whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, what are things that just are non-starters for you? Are there things that they say or they do? Mm-hmm. What, what two or three things could you, could you tell young people watching yeah. this, don't do these yes. things? Yes. And they may not be aware of it. They're oblivious sometimes. Yes. Uh, I think the number, number one turnoff is arrogance. Mm. Like, don't. But how would you, let's yeah, drill let me that. talk a little let's bit more. Let's drill that down. Yeah. So, because I may think, well, I'm not, I'm not arrogant, arrogant, and I'm the right. most arrogant person in the room. Like, so what does that mean? <laughs> arrogant people typically don't think they're arrogant. So <laughs> right. that's why they're arrogant. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? I like so, uh, somebody that doesn't self-reflect on them, their experience in a way that 
is accurate or reflects some humility. So let me give you what I, an example of what I think you're talking Please about. Please, I have me. interviewed a lot of people, too. Yeah. And whenever somebody says, it was, it was their fault, they didn't listen to me, oh, that's a I bad, told my boss do over and over. So that, that would be a sign of someone who's not self-reflective. Yes. yes. Um, somebody that thinks the job's going to be easy, that oh. doesn't see the complexity. Why would they want it? Right. <laughs> right. Well, they want it because they want the next job, right? Uh, or, or I think that's another, actually, that's another thing I've seen in, in interviews is somebody who doesn't want the job they're applying for. They want a different uh, job, right? Right. right. Um, correspondingly, the traits that I would say show really well is... Um, like, be genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. I, I do that thing where you say, like, do you have any questions for me? And Not really. Uh, well, that, so <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because that happens occasionally, and that's terrible. Yeah. Um, but what happens more often because people have gotten this advice is they have a list of questions from the Internet mm. that they ask. And, I got, like, it's just they're very not connected to me they're not connected to the company they're not connected right. to the job right uh and i i i get it it's hard for you guys looking from the outside in to know what to be curious about so here are my tips i have a linkedin bio there's something in there that you must want to ask me about right find something i don't care if it's my snake or my <laughs> horse or my career like but say like hey i was curious about this how do you think about this i'm a person so if you can use right. the, what's out there to connect with me likewise like we write these job descriptions job descriptions are notoriously bad yep. everyone hates jobs Nobody i hate writing write them or it's hard to do well right. Right. um but the job description is my or my team's best effort to like be transparent about what the job is going to be so read it. If right. you don't understand it, like ask about it. That's a great place to be curious. I'd like to learn more about this. It says this, and I didn't really understand that. Like, right. So if you can find ways to be show the hiring manager that you're genuinely curious, that you've actually done a little bit of thought about this, it doesn't ha- it's not super hard. That's, that's the, like, the things that you, it's, it's a lot not, easier than it used to be. It's a lot easier a lot than easier. it used to be. So, yeah. what, so with, with go to my PC, go to meeting, it was a little yes. different. People could use it for free before they interview with us. Yeah. But with, with my case, how, how, what can mm-hmm. someone do to show that they really, besides going to LinkedIn, yeah. that they really have a, some knowledge of what yes. they really be getting involved in? How do yeah. they do that? I think that's a great question. Uh, Here's some ideas that I might have. Like, one, the job description. Like, that's out there for a reason. So yeah. really try to read it and think about what, it, what we're trying to say. Right. Um, another one is, like, Santa Barbara is a small town. I'd be very surprised if you can't find somebody in your network that works at Appfolio. Exactly. Call them. Get an introduction to yep. them. Buy them a cup of coffee. Yep. Like, you know, it like, and ask them, what should I ask? What are they looking for? What's it like there? Ask them whatever you're curious about. But if you can, like, learn a little bit, then, then it'll make you better equipped to, get, to yep. get the job. Totally. Differentiate yourself tremendously. Yeah. Something else I liked when people would say, again, if you just say it and it sounds empty, then it's going to sound empty. But if yeah. they say it with, with a little bit of authenticity, um, you know, how, do, how, is, how is 
IBM using your, I see that IBM's a customer, how are they using your solution? Yes. Or like with Tapjoy, I see that you know, one of these top games is, is a Tapjoy customer. There it how is. How are they monetizing their app more effectively through Tapjoy? Yes. Now you've got the person leaning in because they're like, oh, oh I love the thought about Tapjoy. let me tell you. Right, as opposed <laughs> yes. to some lame, kind of like you say, off the internet question that sounds like anybody could yeah. have asked it. Right. Um, so just, just be authentic and try to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Um, I think we have time for at least one more student question. So uh, back to your year in UCSB. Yes. Uh, what classes did you find significant to take before graduating, and how did they affect your uh, career choice? Wow, I really liked Socrates. Um, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think. I I have a hard time calling a single class I like specifically took in college. So I don't. I think of when I reflect back on my time as a student that um, like learning to think, learning to write, getting feedback on papers was really valuable. I found I, group projects to me were super valuable because it is a little bit like working in the world. Yep. Like you got to work with other people and sometimes they're awesome and sometimes they're not and figuring it out. Um, is a puzzle to solve. It's not It's not always like the easiest way to get the grade or whatever, but I feel like I learned a lot through those kinds of pro projects and learning to communicate and organize and project manage and deal with problems when they occur when somebody didn't do what they said they were going to do. Those kinds of things were really good learning experiences for me. And I would say, is it, you know, groups suck, right? They do. I, have, I put them in my classes for a reason um, because they suck, but they're they're good, they're good for you to do it. They're painful yes. because in the college setting, everyone's a peer in that group. Nobody's yeah. the leader. Nobody's yeah. the boss. Yeah. But that's the best kind of group to get used to it's working It's the hardest in. kind of group. It's the hardest, but that's why it's the best group to work with because Everything now you've got to persuade downhill. people. <laughs> right. You've got to charm people. You have yes. to you know, use data. You, you can't just tell somebody to do it. And so yes. whenever you guys have an opportunity to be in a group, Really embrace that. Try to become the leader, not through domineering or talk, out talking everyone else or not listening, but try to see if you can use that opportunity to help persuade and move the group. In those a are real. Li those are skills that will help oh, you. You'll rule the world. Yes. Like if you can do that. If you, you can do that. If you can run a great project in a class. You could do anything. You're in. And you can use that in your interviews. Yes. You can say, you know, well, do you want to. Here's people, an experience people have told I me I'm a natural leader. Yeah. Here's an example of it. And if you can tell a story about how you took a group that was yeah. dysfunctional and yes. try to make it work, it, it's a great, it's a great story. Plus, you'll learn it's on doing it. So you're you're been an entrepreneur. You're sort of an entrepreneur right now. At least I think you are. Yeah. Do, does it does it feel like you're an entrepreneur that you have the advantages of a big company, but you're still yeah working it hard? Yeah. What do you like better? What do you like between the two, and why do you like those things? Um. I love being in an entrepreneurial environment, but no. entrepreneurship is sort of the best kind of, of both. both of those yeah. worlds, right? Because right. you have all the fun of being nimble and small um, and solving big problems and seeing your impact, good or bad, and you have You don't resources. have to raise money every two months. <laughs> resources are nice, right. yeah, and you're not worrying about the bank account. You don't have employees saying, am I going to get paid? Right, those are real problems, yeah. so it's yeah. nice not to have those problems. That is nice. Do you have any words of wisdom for women in tech? Men too, but mm -hmm. women in tech, do you have any words of wisdom? You've obviously done great. Yeah. Um, you've, you, you know, I think you've worked with some great people, but not everybody's perfect. Yeah. Any advice for someone 22, 23, 24 coming out want, and wanting to join a, a tech startup? I mean, you can do it. 
I think like that's it. Don't you? There's no. Um, in my career, and I maybe I've been really fortunate, um, but I have never felt that being a woman was a disadvantage. Right. I've had the great privilege of working with some very strong and accomplished women, yep. women with families. Um, I think, like, I like the Sheryl Sandberg book, Lean In. My two favorite pieces of advice she gives are pick a great partner. It really helps. Mm-hmm. Somebody that supports you and, yep. like, you know. Uh, and also, I, I love the jungle gym idea. My career's been very much a jungle gym and not a ladder. And then, like, you go sideways, you go up, you learn something. It's opportun- You can be opportunistic that way and take advantage of opportunities as they come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just say, you know, like, don't hold back. As you get a little further into your career, it's great if you have a woman you can talk to. Because, right. um, you, you know, there are, as a gender, perhaps we sometimes tend to be less assertive in asking for what we want. And as your career grows, it's helpful to have somebody kind of in your corner cheering for you mm-hmm. and um, encouraging you to ask for what you want, what you've earned. Uh, but, like, I, I think that's a little bit of a... Like, some women will need that, some women will not. So just don't be afraid. Like, you're great, and complimentary teams are great. Um, I think, uh, you know. Have you seen the numbers shift? Because my classes are pretty much 50-50. Yeah. Um, like the women certainly are very excited about technology, just like men are. Are you seeing, I mean, when I think back to the Expert City, it's almost been 20 years ago mm-hmm. when we started that business. We didn't have any senior women executives right away. We did later. We yeah. hired we hired some yep. actually like second year in. I think we had a vice president. Yeah. We were trying. Yeah. It's different times, but I just don't think there was as many. Are you seeing more women embracing it and coming into it? Yeah, okay, I don't. Good. I don't want to be like flippant about it, but like I don't even think about it. I think right. more than half of our leadership team, our CFO, oh, our wonderful. CMO, are women. So it's not something that's, like, present in my day-to-day. I don't feel like I'm right. fighting the machine. That's the way it should be. It's great. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like a person who's contributing. So, um, and, and, like, I think Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara's obviously been a great place for me to have a career. Um, and I've just I've had the benefit to, of working with a lot of great men and women who were supportive. And, right, that know. allowed everyone to advance as long as they were adding value. And, right, it's and just delivering. not right. It's yep. kind of, it was kind of easy. Yep, good. Well, it's not easy. You made it look easy. <laughs> um, so I'm going to end on just sort of an obvious question. You're 180% in to my case now. There's no question about that. And I know how loyal you are. But where do you see sort of your next gig? Like whenever this thing wraps up for you, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, two years, five years, whatever, yeah. what do you kind of see your, what would you like your next gig to be? Yeah. Um, that's a tough question for me. I, I truly am 300% right. in. I love what I'm doing. I've been presented with a whole new meaty plate of challenges, which I'm appreciative for in my new position at my case. So I am... Uh, learning right now, which, you know, that's what I'm hungry for. I, uh, you know, I love being, I, I think this is the first time kind of I've, I've arrived at a place in my career where like that idea of wanting your boss's job just isn't, is less relevant to me, mm. um, which is a, is a luxury is yep. how I think about it. Yep. Uh, I don't know that I need to be the CEO. I think it's interesting. It looks like a lot of hard work to me. Yep. Um, uh, 
I don't think I, I think I could do it, but I think I'm just more into like picking. I feel very privileged that I would pick something very curated, mm-hmm. just the same way I am at Atfolio, like something that really is interesting that challenges me, where I'm working with people that I love and respect. Do you think you would do a startup? Um, I like small teams. I like big impact. Right, so yeah, right. that's probably mm-hmm. that's certainly my wheelhouse and and what I've done for so much of my career. I can't. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd join like. Google or HP no, or what? Yeah, not at this point. Yeah, it's too big. No, but speaking of Google, we had um, Aiden Abaz was here last week. He started a company that created AdSense, oh, sold to Google for, yes. for a big, you know, quite a bit of money. Yes, um, and he kind of came to the same realization that you you have, I have, which is everyone thinks that's your endpoint in your career, CEO. You got to be a CEO, yeah. and it's not. I mean, so a lot of people. I didn't. I didn't want to do that. I had really flattering offers, and fortunately, yeah. I said no to them because I don't <laughs> have the right temperament. I don't think I'm the. I think what yeah. makes me successful would make me not a great CEO. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like that. And I know you have to deal with this somewhere. Everyone's problems become your problems yes. when you're the CEO. I yes. have my own problems. I don't need more problems. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not as, it's not that everything you kind of imagine no, it no. would be. It's not. It's it's a lot of hard work and a lot of people's problems. And, um, I mean, it's great, but I don't, like, I, I'm surprised at the number of young people I meet that say I want to be a CEO you of something young day. I think, I think like, be, be aware that you may not know. Uh, I think it's okay to aspire to it earlier yeah. in your career. I think yes, if you'd asked me right. when I was in my early 20s, I guess I would have said, sure, that's, that's the top spot, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. I want that. Right. But then as you get closer to the top spot, you're in a lot of meetings yeah. You kind of really see what that job is all about. Yes. Then I think you, you, you can be honest with yourself and, and yeah. ask yourself, would I be good at this? Would I want to do it? Would I be happy doing would it? I be ha- would yeah. other people be happy, happy working with me for me? doing no. it, right. Yeah, so. <laughs> so good. Well, I'm glad you've come to that uh, point in your career. I'm not surprised. I've... And uh, I'm looking forward to whatever you, know, you do next. <laughs> and I really meant it when I said it in the introduction. I'm pr- pr- proud isn't the right word because I have no right to be proud of your career. But I'm just so happy for what you've been able to do. It's really been great. Thank you. It's people like you that made it possible. I uh, will remember sitting in another meeting in Expert City with John presenting about the business performance and um, green eggs and ham. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, yeah. like, wow, like these guys are so swine gals, like, but they're so smart. Like, this is so inspiring. So Somebody I, mentioned that to me last week. It's that people same like presentation. You. It, that made such, I mean, I, yeah. I could do that presentation. It, but it, was a, I mean, it wasn't me. I think it was a turning point where our company was going. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just the right time. Yeah. To, it was him. It was also no, it a great wasn't. time at the company. But you're people, being, people well, matter. You're being very kind. But Thank and you, you have mattered to that. me, so thank you. It's no. been an honor. See, to... It's a mutual admiration society. We're going right. to keep no, going. No, 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 no. A couple no, more hours you. of this. Just, just relax. What else do you like about me? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Tim, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.